The Sonder podcast is designed to educate our network on the latest updates within the legal industry. Here we speak to top legal professionals where they provide their invaluable insights on how to stay ahead in the current market and what a day in the life is like for them. Hi everyone, today I'll be talking with Rashan Kamara Gamage, Head of Legal Technology at Minter Ellison, where we'll take a look into his journey into legal technology and how far it's come since he started out, and we'll also discuss where it could lead to in the future. If you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to myself or Rashan anytime. Welcome, Rashan. So glad to have you here on the podcast. Been um, really, really excited to get you on this um, and to have a chat with me. So, tell me about Rashan, the person, and what's been going on in your world at the moment. Thanks for having me, Amy. Um, really, that the main thing that's been going on is is COVID. Yes, <laughs> surprisingly, um, my life is is locked down with a toddler at the moment. So that's a that's a particularly interesting challenge. Um, he might make a, an appearance um, as as we as we talk through through the through the three walls that that he's he's around me. Um, but yes, it's 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 an interesting challenge. Um, we're we're in Melbourne and, and things have been locked down into a, a new stage now, and it's presenting a very kind of it makes it very real. So um, childcare has been cancelled, and that's probably the thing that hit us the hardest. Um, but by and large, uh, I've. I'm a natural introvert, I suppose. So it hasn't really hit me as perhaps it, it should have. Um, it's, it's you know, I have a very supportive family and wife and, and all that. So it's been tough, but not as tough as perhaps other people are doing. Um, but that's, re- that's really it for me at the moment. It's, it's dealing with that, um, dealing with a particularly busy time at work and, and, and just kind of counting down the days till stage four lockdown is over in Melbourne. Obviously, COVID has really affected some people, not just in the legal technology space, but across the global workforce. Um, so what are the biggest challenges you've faced in recent times? So I think it's twofold, um, or two chapters, I suppose. The first was um, at the beginning, you know, when, when the community situation was evolving and when things were um, very uncertain, more uncertain than they are now, I suppose. Um, it was really just adjusting to the rate of change and the rate of disruption and just having everything go and everything move very quickly and, and um, the information by which you as a leader or you as anybody makes decisions um, as you go about your life was changing every single day. So that was a, a particularly rough challenge um, from a, both an operational perspective, um, you know, where to direct resources, where to, um, you know, where to put people, uh, what, what business decisions to make and so on. Um, but also just a personnel thing, you know, making sure that people were looked after and, and supported and able to go about their, their roles, but also able to fulfill, you know, all the stuff, that the more important things that need to happen outside of their jobs. Um, so that whole thing, you know, that was over the course of, of three or four weeks, I think, where it was, it was basically just every day was a, was a new challenge. And, and that was, that itself was a challenge to, to kind of navigate. Um, once that settled though, well, you know, we started to build into a rhythm of, of what lockdown felt like and, and what a world um, in COVID felt like. And then from there, it turned into a, um, a, a challenge of, of dealing with the long-term uncertainty. So there's um, you know, obviously business is, is contracting and, and um, the economy is you know, still floating and, and there, there might be things tumbling out of that. Um, so how to uh, make decisions in that environment um, and, but again, coming back to people, you know, h- how to look after people in a time of uncertainty. And that for me as a leader was, was the biggest challenge. Um, and I'm sure it was uh, as it was for people who 
um, you know, don't necessarily have teams, but but have obviously responsibilities outside of uh, just work. So that that really was was it. You know, that that hangs very very brightly in the sky for me as as um, the challenges that we've had to navigate um, through COVID, and and we are still navigating. Um, in and around that though, um, e-discovery legal tech has just been smashed. It's just been um, such a busy time throughout this whole process. So um, you know, uh, things have our work has has almost doubled um, in our firm at least. Um, things are just heating up, and and it, that that's a trend that's only going to continue. So it's the dual kind of dealing with business, dealing with the usual kind of churn and burn, and e-discovery is you know uh, a pretty hectic industry at the best of times. Um, and then layered over that is the uncertainty and, and all those things that, that come in a, in, in a, in a COVID-addled world, I suppose. Mm, of course. And what areas have you seen a lift in? So what's been the busiest areas for you? Um, so it's, there's, there's a few streams. Um, the main one is probably the, well, it hasn't lifted. It's just continued onwards. Um, and that's the regulator work in Australia. So... Um, our, our regulators have been, um, since, you know, for the last few years, our regulators have been quite busy. Um, they, they've been issuing um, a fair amount of um, notices across the board, you know, depending on, on the types of regulator they are. But um, that's kept uh, our legal tech, the e-discovery world, um, quite quite busy as of late. Um, and that, it took a dip um, a little bit at the beginning of COVID, perhaps as a result of that, you know, um, very fast rate of change, uncertainty at the beginning. But then things started to come back and, and um, it's only just come back to, to kind of pre-COVID levels and um, perhaps even slightly higher. Um, but in and around that, you know, the traditionally discovery work has, has continued, you know, the, the, that didn't really stop. Um, but then there's fresh new challenges um, around data privacy, um, forensic tech, all, all the kind of um, AI, all, all the kind of things that are um, not traditionally discovery, but now being transformed and absorbed by discovery or maybe the other way around um it's all just kind of slowly just building on on, on top of each other and, and leading to quite a busy busy industry yeah i bet um and then touching on ai what are your thoughts on ai and how have i guess in in terms of how busy you are how's your knowledge expanded in recent times on that <laughs> it's it's mildly terrifying um that, that's my initial thought about ai um <laughs> So it's, it's obviously a, a very um, a strong area for, for growth, um, uh, an area that is ripe for, um, it's, a, it's a greenfield opportunity, right? So there's, there's plenty of scope to move into that space and really kick goals and, and um, get some really positive business outcomes. Um, in terms of e-discovery and what that presents, um, it's, it's you know, something else. It's, it's part of the new wave of or, or the newest chapter of e-discovery evolution i suppose um it's only really happened for me um in the last couple of years um for me it's it's uh, i obviously I'm, I'm i'm a qualified lawyer and i'm not a an ai specialist or a data scientist um so it's learning about the the application um learning about uh, learning language i suppose you know that that's probably been a significant challenge over the last couple of years that, that i've had to navigate um, and then learning the, the boundaries of what can and can't and should and shouldn't be done. Um, so that that's really where I see myself in, in the AI puzzle. And also I see um, a firm like mine and, and service providers in this puzzle. Uh, I'm not sure that we'll be, I mean, we'll obviously be leveraging AI to improve our own business outcomes and provide services to clients. Um, but equally, we'll be navigating 
the challenges of, of discovering AI material and um, yeah. collecting that material and reviewing that material. So there's all sorts of secondary challenges that come with, with the, um, the disruption that AI has caused um, in, in the business world. Yeah, of course. And do you think AI is something that will create jobs or maybe take over jobs? <laughs> <in the future? laughs> it's a controversial thought. Um, so I, I, I don't subscribe to the theory that it will take over jobs. Um, it will probably change jobs. Um, so that, that, that's my, my philosophy on this. Um, it, it's probably not um, cute anymore to throw a whole bunch of bodies at, at a process um, when AI will do. Um, clients are just wise to that now. You know, people expect that th there will be processes that will be able to be automated or um, streamlined and made more efficient and, and frankly cheaper um, by the use, by the leveraging of AI or, or even just more basic tools like process automation and, and even just digitization, things like that. Um, so all of those things um, are uh, downward pressures on needing big banks of people. So perhaps there are roles that will be impacted by AI, but equally you need someone to drive the tech. You need someone <laughs> to build the tech. You need of someone course. to implement the tech. So all of those things are, are role creators, um, job creators um, and pressures that will you know, perhaps change the, the makeup of an organization and, and the body where, where the, the, the humans sit within that organization. So that there are plenty of opportunities there. And I, I don't think it's the case that, um, you know, I know the obvious next question is, you know, what's the future of law? Um, I don't think it's the case that the, law, the lawyer will, will ever be um, replaced. Um, but of course, you know, they're going to have to learn AI if they don't already know it. Um, they're going to have to be au fait with what it can do and what it can't do and how it will enhance them and their productivity um, in order for them to, to kind of stand out from the pack, so to speak. Of course. And I think that's exciting if you are a lawyer or you're a new lawyer coming in because you're just you're going to be constantly challenged and be able to learn new things and, you know, follow the process and see how it develops. So I think as a new lawyer, it should be a really, really exciting time. Absolutely. And, and the other thing that's really exciting about it is um, uh, technology is democratized now. So you, know, you no longer need to be a master coder to write an AI application. You, 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 know, you don't need to have um, a, a degree from one of the, the top IT schools. You, know. um, you can just be someone that walks in off the street and just knows a process intimately um, and then use low code or no code technology to, to build something that, that really is quite efficient or quite useful. So you know, that's something that my firm has, you know, that, that's an ethos that my firm has embraced is you, know, you, you don't necessarily need to be the IT geek sitting in the back room. Um, in fact, it's probably a better outcome if rather than just being that person, you partner with that person mm. as a subject matter expert. Um, and there are elements, obviously, of the tech that will need that kind of really deep technical skill. Um, but there are elements where that person, you know, the IT person just won't be able to help um, understanding the process, you know, understanding the pitfalls and, and where the decision tree might branch, you know, those sorts of things. Um, and because the technology is so democratized now, um, because it's so accessible, um, it is a very exciting time for someone who, if you understand the workflow of a dispute, you can build an application tomorrow um, that, that is helpful um, to helpful to you, you know, the day after. So that's, that's a very exciting time. And, and it, it, it really is, uh, there's a lot of potential there for, for improvement. Mm, well, watch this space. Absolutely. <laughs> um, now, you've had a mix of working in both consulting um, 
service providers and law firms. Um, so do you think having that mix of both has enhanced your mindset and expanded your knowledge of the legal technology space? And what do you think are the key takeaways from having this mix of experience? It absolutely helps. Uh, no, no experience is unhelpful, I suppose. <laughs> um, the, the, and I think it goes broader, actually, than just a discovery and my experience with um, you know, providers and, and law firms and the like. Um, any experience where you are um, interfacing and engaging with people that have different challenges, um, I think, is, is a positive experience because it helps you walk a mile in their, in their shoes, so to speak. Um, businesses tackle these challenges differently. In, in my role, I engage heavily and, and daily with IT professionals, um, senior lawyers, you know, junior lawyers who themselves have different challenges, um, barristers, the courts, um, IT professionals, which I think I said, um, and, and AI specialists, right? So there's, there's lots of different um, engagements that I, that I um, have on a day-to-day -day basis. And the ability to um, walk a mile in their shoes, see their challenges from their perspective and try, um, obviously I'm, I'm not an expert in all of those spaces, but try to speak their language or at least understand the language they're trying to speak um, is, is certainly helpful in engaging with them. Um, it's not the case, uh, you know, I mentioned before the, the democratization of this. Um, it's not the case where one role can, can do all these things. You need the engagement from the stakeholders from all of those different areas. And the ability to speak to those people is really, really key. And the ability to understand what they're saying and really hear what their challenges are and, and how to help them. Um, so that's fundamental, I think, to, to a successful operator in, in legal tech, you know, whether it be in AI, forensics or, or you know, e-discovery proper. You need to be able to understand um, the challenges that people, are, the, the lens through which people are, are looking at their challenge. Um, so that, I think, is, is a, a real advantage of having a, a, a layered set of really different experiences. Mm -hmm. And then in, in e-discovery itself, you know, just in the e-discovery vertical, the ability to, to look at things from a, almost how a consultant would see things versus how a, a lawyer would see things. You know, that, that's helpful. It, it helps you kind of weigh the business decision with the legal outcome and, and, and all those other things that you need to, to weigh up. Um, so that is always, uh, you know, that's something that I look for in, in people. You know, I, I don't like when people have just um, just gone the, the, the one vertical. Um, I, I think you, you, you get something from having a little bit of a meandering career and, and <laughs> getting those experiences because you bring something something fresh to the table that you know people might people that have just gone that down that straight vertical might not see the world the same way yes. yeah absolutely um and how has the legal technology world changed since you entered the industry um so my first in my first week i um the, the training that i was given was to stamp uh, to to fix stickers onto hard copy documents. <laughs> um, so I distinctly remember that memory of, of sitting there in my first week in a discovery after I, I decided to leave being a lawyer behind um, and somebody was training me to, to stick, stick the stickers onto, onto the pages um, in advance of scanning them. So I don't think that is something that happens anymore. Um, I, hope, I hope it doesn't happen anymore. Um, but that is, that is a, a sign of, of um, for me, how far we've come in the uh, 14 uh, 13 or 14 years since I since I started in discovery, um, it started as a back office function. You know, it, it, for me, or at least when I joined the, the the profession, it was very much regarded as as a back office support function. 
um, it was something that was uh, to a lawyer's eyes. It was it was someone else's problem. It was just something that needed to happen to to get to get through to my outcome. Um, and it was something that you know whether you whether you had that skill or not was kind of not important to the the end outcome of your matter. Um, your 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 outcome might be slightly more efficient if you had e-discovery or, or legal tech support, but it wasn't necessarily that you you couldn't get to the outcome without e-discovery support. And that probably is the biggest change between then and now that I see. Um, often um, at our firm, we find clients drop legal tech as a core requirement in, in tenders and proposals and pitches. Um, they expect us to have this sort of skill set um, either in-house or at our fingertips. Um, and I don't think it's unique to, the, to the, just the clients that, that my firm deals with. There's probably all clients are, are now starting to realize that this having this sort of skill um, nearby is, is a necessary requirement to the effective and, and efficient um, conduct of, of, of legal work. Um, so that that was the biggest shift, or, or at least when I was thinking about this, that that's the biggest thing that I see as, as um, different between now and then. Um, the other really big um, evolution, I goes, suppose goes hand in hand with that, is the professionalization and um, uh, I suppose turning this from a small sector of very passionate, very dedicated, um, but ultimately niche people into a profession. You know, it, it is a profession that stands on, in its own right um, with its own disciplines and its own training and its own sort of body of knowledge in terms of art and, and all those sorts of things. Um, I, I think they obviously, those two things go hand in hand. You know, you can't have um, something that's core to the outcomes, legal outcomes without it being a profession, um, but vice versa, you know, it wouldn't have been, um, core to the legal outcomes if, if the profession wasn't there. And that, I think, really kick-started um, towards the beginning of my career. You know, I started to see um, training courses and, and things in, in universities and, and um, certifications and things like that really start to, to ramp up. And now, you know, of course, there's, there's whole professional bodies um, dedicated to e-discovery. A lot of law schools um, and IT schools have e-discovery courses built into them. Um, there's, there's, you know, certification regimes, there's all sorts of things that support us being, being a profession. So I think that is, um, a very, obviously I, I, I'm biased, but I think that's a very positive, positive move. And I think it's only due to continue again, because of the, um, you know, the disruption that we, we spoke about at the beginning of this, we're not going away. Um, and, and as we, as we continue to stick around and, and kind of, weasel our way into all the different organizations that, that we are in, um, that, that sort of professionalization will, will just continue. Yeah, of course. And do you think it's been just a natural progression in terms of the way technology is always advancing? Or do you think there was a certain point in time that a real shift happened and things ramped up within the e-discovery industry? It's probably a mix of the, the, both of those two things. Um, the in Australia, at least, the the big sort of um, tectonic shift, or the first of the tectonic shifts, at least throughout my career, was the um, the Financial Services Royal Commission. So that was really a water a, a, a watershed moment for e-discovery in Australia, generally, and and if I may say, you know, sort of the, the height of human suffering in terms of the legal tech, you know, uh, folklore. I suppose um, it was an extremely busy time for for all of us across. You know, service providers, law firms, everybody was was just so busy throughout that um, year year and a bit that that um, you know, the commission was really was ramping through its documents. 
Um, and it, I think what that demonstrated to us was that that model of having that small and dedicated um, group of niche people that just did everything themselves probably wasn't the right fit. You know, we, we weren't able to service the growing demand um, across the industry via just being, I think it was, you know, they, I could probably count on my fingers and toes the number of people that were in, in, in e-discovery at that time. Um, and it just wasn't the right fit. And, and the, the, the Royal Commission kind of demonstrated to us that we needed to have that pipeline of talent coming through. We needed to be considering bringing talent from overseas. We needed to have a, a, an industry that was thriving and growing and kind of re refreshing itself. Um, and, and that, it, 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 I think it actually did happen. You know, there, there were a lot of um, junior roles that were built throughout that time, you know, in part because the seniors were getting tired. And just <laughs> um, but also there was a realisation that, you know, we needed to have that kind of refresh and, and, and people coming through through the ranks. And, and that obviously had a, had a, um, a positive upwards pressure on, on the professionalisation. Um, you know, what were we going to train these new juniors with, um, if not um, certifications and those sorts of things? Um, and then, of course, you know, people from outside the country. Um, we, we, we needed seniors and, and we needed to import um, a fair number of people. And they brought with them fresh perspectives and fresh experiences and, and their own views on things. And I think that only enhanced the, the, the great shift towards professionalisation that, that um, legal tech has, has undergone. Yeah, and I think just from um, what I understand, Australia has taken a lot from overseas in terms of the advancement of e-discovery, and they've taken little bits and pieces of what they have seen has worked, and they've implemented it. Is that right? <laughs> I think so. I think that that that's a fair assessment. Um, the the overall kind of ethos, I suppose, or perspective is that Australia typically follows the US um, by a couple of years. We we like to let the US kind of see if it sticks and see if it works out and then then take the best bits. Um, so that, that's true of the predictive coding um, processes and regime. Um, that's true of a, a fair number of other kind of te technological advancements. And I think data privacy is probably, you know, it's going to be true of data privacy and, and the discipline that comes with data privacy as well, um, shortly soon as well, you know, with GDPR and, and the California rules and, and, and the like. Um, we have sort of separate to that though. I think we've driven our own um, initiatives in, in Australia and, and kind of um, innovated ourselves um, based on the, the specific challenges that we have. You know, our, our, it's, it's no secret that the volumes that we deal with in Australia are, are much smaller than the volumes in, in the US. Um, so the, the challenges are a little different. The challenges presented to us by our regulator landscape, I think, um, are slightly different as well. You know, we, we typically deal with smaller volumes, but at much, much faster turnaround times. Um, so we needed to innovate solutions that weren't, um, you know, process a, a petabyte of data um, over the course of, of you know, 60 weeks. It's, it's process these five documents because we need to produce them you know, in an hour. Um, so that, that's, it's a different challenge. And, and we've had to kind of innovate our way to, to success there. Um, so that, that I think is what, a, a factor in why you're seeing Australian firms starting to win these sorts of innovation awards. Um, you know, vendors are, are issuing uh, plenty of innovation awards for Australian firms. Um, we're starting to see Australian firms really start to step their game up in terms of um, sort of celebrating their success, I suppose. And I'm, I'm hopeful that, that our firm is, is kind of up there with them. Um, they're different challenges and, and we're adapting accordingly.
If there's someone listening to this, say from the US or the UK, thinking about moving to Australia to work within the legal technology space, do you think there's any key points you could provide to them <coughs> or key insights? So firstly, Australia is a, a great place to work. Um, so <laughs> that, 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 that is, um, so if you're, if you're thinking about it, certainly think harder about it. Um, it, it is a wonderful place to work. And, and I suppose the, the work culture and um, the, the people in the industry that will welcome you with open arms, I suppose, are, are certainly um, should be considered very appealing, I suppose. Um, with my advice to, to anyone thinking about um, coming to Australia and joining Legal Tech is not really any different to what I would say to someone in Australia um, thinking about moving. Um, you need to know, you need to be able to differentiate the hype from the fiction in terms of your prospective employer um, and the role that, that you will be, um, you'll be signing up for, I suppose. Um, it's no secret that e-discovery as a discipline or, uh, and legal tech as a discipline is a very challenging um, it's a challenging industry, you know, for there's time constraints, there's, um, there's data challenge constraints, there's personality, um, things we need to navigate with, you know, a lot of alpha personality, all those sorts of things. Um, none of that is insurmountable, but, um, it does become very challenging if you're in a, a, an organization that doesn't fit with you, um, or the way that you operate. Um, that's not to say that there's one right way of operating, um, but it is very important to understand, um, if you are a person that, for example, if you're a person that likes to operate on your own, you know, you're, you're a one person wolf pack um, and you like to run your matters on your own, you probably wouldn't fit in a firm like mine where, you know, my whole thing is that the whole team is collaborative. There's no, you know, it's not your matter, it's our matter. Um, so that, that at its core, you would not be happy in, in, in our organization um, and you would not be as successful as you could be. So that's the kind of thing that you need to understand um, where, what you're about to jump into. Um, and I suppose it is a little bit harder uh, when you are you know, from the outside looking in to really know what those, you know, what the, what the embedded cultures are in, in each of these organizations and, and really trying to separate. Everyone will tell you that they're a they're collaborative workspace, I suppose. You know? no, yep. one, no one says the opposite, um, but it's really just about understanding whether that's actually true in practice and, and whether that will, um, what, what that will mean for you when on, on day seven after your, after your induction regime. Um, and then it's also just understanding, you know, what it is that, that works for you. So it's, it's, um, as I mentioned before, you know, it, it, legal tech is not just e-discovery. Um, that's probably one of the places where it started, but now it's, it's, there's forensics, there's, um, there's AI, uh, there's even just project management and process automation and continuous improvement initiatives. So what is it that fits you and, and what is the prospective employer doing in, 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 you know, to align with your, your vision um, for your own career development that way? And again, because you're coming at it uh, perhaps from an outsider's perspective looking in, I would suggest that you, you speak with you know, as many people as you can speak with, do as much homework as you can. Um, ultimately, it really is just around ensure that you find an organisation that fits with you. Uh, and, and, you know, really sets you up for success. Um, and where do you see the legal technology industry going in the next five to 10 years? What's your predictions? Uh, it's it's going to be busy. <laughs> um, so I think it's the, the, the mishmash of, of those skills that I was talking about is going to continue. Um, the, there's, there's just going to be a blend of AI and, and process improvement and all that sort of stuff. Um, the data challenges are not going to go away. And in fact, we've just done a, 
um, the whole world has had another another of those tectonic shifts that I was talking about. Um, you know, for me, if, if we have another one of these in, in five, six years time, I'll probably say Financial Services Royal Commission and then the digital disruption brought about by COVID are the two big, you know, changes of direction. Um, everyone is now on a collaboration platform or, or will be on a collaboration platform soon. Um, everyone now has data privacy concerns um, or will have soon. Um, everyone has AI concerns or will have soon. So all of those things means that um, our profession will continue to be very busy, um, very challenged, and there'll be new, new things coming through and um, new things to, to, new challenges to navigate, new skills to learn, all those sorts of things. Um, I think it's only going to continue to be to be a, a very busy, very hectic um, kind of thriving industry into the next five years. Well, Rashan, this has been absolutely fantastic. Thank you so, so much for taking part in today's podcast. I'm sure the listeners will be thoroughly impressed to hear what you have to say. So thank you very much. Thanks very much for having me. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. If you would like more information on anything we discussed, please feel free to reach out on info at sonderconsultants.com for a confidential discussion. Thank you.